You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Our new story of the week is Caterpillar and Butterfly by Amberlyn Quaymullina. She's an Indigenous author from Western Australia who's probably best known for her young adult fiction series called The Tribe. But before that, she wrote and illustrated a number of picture books for kids. They're brightly coloured stories about creatures in the Australian landscape who go through a process of self-discovery where they find their inner strength. Amberlyn joins us on the line. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Firstly, can you tell us about the first stories you heard as a child growing up in the Pilbara? Uh, I didn't grow up in the Pilbara, so my family's from the Pilbara, but I grew up in Perth. Uh, And I I guess a lot of the stories I heard growing up weren't in books. Uh, They were stories my grandma told me and my mum told me uh, about their lives and their experiences. Uh, So I didn't have many books when I was a kid. So I'm really passionately behind uh, there being books out there now for all kids, especially Indigenous kids and especially ones where Indigenous people get to tell our own stories and our own voices. Growing up in Perth, did those stories from your mum and grandma, did that make you feel connected to the Pilbara even though you didn't grow up there? Yeah, yeah, Um, it it did and my my great-grandmother as well. So uh, being part of, of that place even though I didn't grow up there and being just part of my people. And when you say um, you're very passionate about these stories for Indigenous kids as well, is that part of the um, reason why you have passion, that the stories have the ability to connect children back to country, even if they've had to move on for whatever reason? I think stories do a lot of things uh, for a lot of kids. So uh, Mallory Blackman, who's a writer in the UK, once said that reading is an exercise in empathy. So I think for non-Indigenous children to be able to engage with Indigenous stories written by Indigenous authors really creates a pathway to communicate and to relate to the Indigenous peoples of this land. For Indigenous children, I think those stories connect them to their people and their culture and their homeland. I think they also support their self-esteem and when they can find out about the Indigenous person who wrote the story or illustrated the story, it also makes them think that they could be a storyteller too. What prompted you to start writing and illustrating stories? I mean, how many Indigenous stories in children's picture books were there when you started? Uh, There's quite a lot, particularly in picture books, and that is really down to Makabala Books. So the reason we have such a good representation of Indigenous stories, particularly in picture book form, is down mostly to the work of Indigenous publishers and the largest Indigenous publisher in terms of children's literature is Magabala Books, which is based in Broome in Western Australia. So those Indigenous publishers, uh, so Magabala and other publishers like Aboriginal Studies Press and IOD Press, really opened the door and provided the means for Indigenous people to get their books published. There's very few Indigenous stories published by mainstream publishers. There's some, but it doesn't compare to the range that are published by publishers like Magabala. What does that mean in terms of, um, you know, the bigger publishing houses, I guess their books can almost flood the market. Do you get enough reach when there's only one place that really publishes them? Well, I think it is hard with obviously Indigenous publishers smaller presses and any small press, Indigenous or not, will tell you that obviously they do not have the budgets of large publishers, so uh, they don't get that. Uh, But I, I think that down to reach is really about schools and parents embracing the books. So I get asked by parents 
all the time. I'm constantly asked by parents looking for Indigenous stories to be able to give their, their kids. Uh, Indigenous parents and non-Indigenous parents really wanting that knowledge. And I say to them, look, the books are there. Uh, you just need to find them. If they're not in your school and you want them in your school, you need to be saying to the school, why aren't the books in the library? You know, where are they? We want those books in the library. These days, a lot of schools have reconciliation action plans. And most schools who have a reconciliation action plan will have as part of that purchasing books by Indigenous writers. Uh, so that's really improving the content uh, of Indigenous books in the school system, which is terrific. You're listening to Kindling Conversation and I'm speaking with author Amberlyn Quay-Mulliner. She is the author of our new story of the week. It's Caterpillar and Butterfly. What inspired you to write this story? Well, the... The my stories are in an Indigenous tradition of teaching stories, so stories with a message. Uh, a lot of Indigenous stories are like that, not just in Australia but, but globally. A lot of the stories Indigenous people tell are like that. And so that's the kind of stories I write. The uh, butterfly story was itself inspired by a butterfly. I was sitting watching a butterfly in my garden one day and I thought, well, if a butterfly had a story to tell, what story would that be? And I went on to write the story of caterpillar and butterfly. Uh, my stories tend to cross-pollinate a bit too. So there's actually a line from caterpillar and butterfly. There's a very similar idea captured in a single line in my young adult series. And that's where I got the line from. It was from the butterfly story. That's amazing. I mean, because you're, this story could also speak to older audiences, like yes. the people reading their books. Um, because that, that particular story seems to be a pretty powerful message about overcoming your fear and yes. how you can embrace the world. I love that last night. I can't exactly think of it. Do you remember it off the top of your head? It's along the way that the only true way to keep from falling is to learn how to fly. Yeah, and there was also one about um, if you hide away from the world, then you also stop yourself from experience, experiencing yeah. its wonders. If you hide from the, the danger of the world, you also hide from the wonder of it. I think that's such a, I mean, it's such an interesting line for me because as a parent as well, because of course, we're all trying to protect our kids and we're terrified that something bad will happen to them. But on the flip side of that, then we might be stopping their opportunities to embrace wonder and yeah, it's a beautiful line to see in a children's book. And I think, too, the message of that story is also about teaching and particularly teaching kids how to fly is that, of course, everyone, well, you know, sort of all normal people, I think, would want to protect all children from any harm whatsoever, ever. <laughs> yes. But given that you probably can't quite achieve that, <laughs> yeah. you know, then it's like, okay, well, well, how do you teach children to deal with life's difficulties that they will inevitably encounter? And, and how do you teach them to come out of um, those experiences stronger? How do you teach them to manage their own boundaries and protect themselves and have a strong sense of who they are and who they want to be? And so a lot of that story is really getting at that and the lessons we pass on to those who are to come. Tell us about the two-hearted numbat. What's that one all about? Well, that was one I wrote with my brother Zeke. Uh, and so it's about a numbat that has two hearts, one a, a tough heart of stone and another a heart of feather. And he thinks he has to choose one. So he goes on a journey and he has various adventures where he uses his different hearts. And when he gets to the end, he realized that he needs both of them. He needs both those sources of strength. And so Zeke and I wrote that together. And interestingly, that numbat story is one that really resonates with voice. So I mostly get boys or parents of boys telling me how much their child loves the numbat story. Uh, I do wonder if that has something to do with uh, boys rejecting gender roles and saying, well, I can be strong, but I can be soft as well. It's okay to be both.
Mm, that's fascinating. Um, and the final one I wanted to ask you about was The Crow and the Waterhole, which it's it's almost an ephemeral book, that one. Like I, I got to the end of it and I went, I think I'm going to have to read that again. I know <laughs> there's a pretty powerful message there, but I think I have to read it again. <laughs> what were you thinking when you were writing that one? I dreamed that story. That was the first story I ever published and the first book I ever illustrated. Wow. So I, I dreamed that one. And I dreamed it at a particularly difficult time in my life. Uh, and Indigenous people, particularly people from the Pilbara where I'm from, we will often receive messages in dreams and communications from our old people in dreams. So I always felt that story was something that the old grandmothers gave me because they knew I needed it. It's, it's so special to me, that story, because it, it's about learning to see yourself truly and to value who you are and I hadn't initially planned to illustrate it but they couldn't find an illustrator and so I said oh well you know I'll give it a go you know, <laughs> I'll give it a shot somewhat naively having no idea what was involved in illustration so I went through the usual process of submitting to Fremantle Press a set of illustrations and, and a storyboard of how I do them and you know got the gig uh, and that really kicked off uh, something that I would never have thought of before which which was illustrating which I now love so dearly and well, lucky for really us you tried it gave me that opportunity yeah yeah And Lisa, just before I let you go, I think one of the things as a parent I find reading these stories is I wish I came from a culture that had this storytelling history. It seems such a powerful thing that you can give your children. Obviously, you've you've manifested them for all of us in these picture books, but it, it seems to me that the actual oral storytelling must be a really powerful way to learn lessons. Did you feel that growing up with the stories that were passed down to you? Like, did they help yeah, you? I did. And, you know, all Aboriginal people, we, we tend to be storytellers. But on that, I would also say that actually all cultures do have a storytelling tradition. All people have that inheritance. Uh, in the case of Western cultures, it is just a little further back. Mm. Uh, so it's a little further back in, in Western history, but it, but it is there. That storytelling tradition is there and that way of communicating important truths through story is there. Try and tap into it again. Amberlyn, thank you so much for speaking with us. That was author Amberlyn Quaymolina. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.